Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Turn up your volume Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast With Tony Marinero Sports entertainment Like no other It's gonna be sick Brought to you by Essentia The world's only natural memory foam mattress Beyond organic sleep Cherry River Hard Seltzer only 90 calories, natural flavors, and no preservatives. Now available in Quebec Grocers and the Beer Store. And Johnny Bootlegger's Whiskey Old Fashioned is both refreshing and authentic to the classic cocktail. Available now at Saks near you. Marinero, the sick podcast, and we are talking rugby. And we have today one of the best female rugby players that you'll ever find. Her name is Bianca Ferella, and she's the pride of Coach St. Luke. How are you doing, Bianca? Hey, Tony. I'm doing super well. Super excited to be on this podcast. Thanks for doing this. Now, I'm not a big follower of rugby, so full disclosure. Uh, but once I found out about you and I started uh, searching Bianca Ferella and went through your YouTube videos and stuff like that, you are a phenom. You're fantastic. Wow, thank you. Yeah, I have been doing this for a very long time, and it's a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun doing it. I have a lot of fun, like, running around people and scoring tries. I'm in the right sport, that's for sure. It's a, it's a very, very physical sport. At any point, did you ever say to yourself, okay, too much bumps and bruises here. I don't know how much more I can take. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I Every mean, day, right? <laughs> uh, not every day, but I, I have had two shoulder reconstructive surgeries. Um, broke broken my nose, my hand, um, and uh, and that's a pretty decent track record. <laughs> and wow. then, and then I'm, I'm still playing it. So yeah, there are tough days for sure, but um, yeah, there's a reason why I do it. And it's, it's just a lot of fun for me. It was five years ago that you were named to Canada's first ever women's rugby sevens Olympic team. Uh, that team was able to podium with a bronze. There were expectations for this team to podium as well. Uh, but there was stuff that happened, unfortunately, which was not very good leading into the Olympics. Going in, did you have a bad feeling about how the team was going to perform? Yes or no? And why? Oh, um, yeah, you're right. The last 10 months have been um, overwhelming, to say the least. Um, but our preparation, I think, was quite solid. Um, going into the games, um, yeah, I certainly didn't expect um, our on-field performance to be the way it was. However. Um, however, I'm extremely proud with what we did, but through everything that we went through, um, I'm proud. I'm proud that we were able to walk on the field and do our job and, and make our country proud. It's okay. The show is, uh, is not censored, but, uh, the show is brought to you by Essentia, the world's only natural memory foam mattress. Go to myessentia.com slash sick pod and use code sick pod for a free pillow with your purchase. Essentia beyond organic sleep. There were some stories once again, and I'm going to uh, touch on those, which I'm sure are difficult, uh, going to be difficult to talk about. Stories that maybe people wanted to put to sleep, but 
you and your teammates wanted to make sure that people knew about them and talked about them. And, and what I know is that last winter, coach John Tate had um, some complaints filed against them. What were the complaints about? Yeah, myself, along with uh, 36 other current and former athletes, um, filed a complaint and put it forward through to Rugby Canada because um, we felt that it went um, against Rugby Canada's 2013 anti-harassment and bullying policy. And we entered um, a phase of mediation. And then I think it was in January when it went to a formal complaint and informal investigation um, after that. And um, and everything after that has been quite quite chaotic. We got the results that were that are public. We got the results in April, and um, myself and my teammates were not happy with the results. Um, as you may know, they came back inconclusive. Um, however, he did resign. So, do we do we feel that um, they're inconclusive? Um, no, but. Um, but we were able to kind of recreate our team culture and our team environment and step away from what it was and create something new and something positive and most importantly, a safe and inclusive environment um, with the interim coaching staff and leadership that we had going into the Olympic Games this summer. So I'll ask you some questions if you can answer yes or no as to whether or not uh, former coach J- uh, John Tate was guilty of um, Verbal abuse. Um, I mean, I, I really respect your straight on questions and I'll answer okay. them as best as I can. Um, we felt that there has been verbal abuse um, in the environment. Yes. Harassment. Could you be more specific? Um, did the did the was the abuse constant? Was it regular to the point where you or one of your teammates felt harassed? What I can say is that fifty five percent of the entire history of athletes in our program have been part of this investigation in one way or another. So I implore you to read between the lines. I hear you. It's, one should be enough. One should have been enough. Of course. And in the and, and in the past, it wasn't. So part of our part of what we want and part of our asks and demands was that it doesn't get to that. It doesn't get to fifty five percent. It doesn't get to thirty seven athletes coming forward. It doesn't have to be a huge chunk of athletes. It should be just one. And we want we want the environments to be more preventative and less reactive with um, Bianca Ferella, who has endured a lot of pain, her and her teammates over the last year, for sure. Very much appreciate you talking about something that is sensitive and something that is difficult to talk about. Um, did it ever get to the point for you personally, where you felt that I don't know if I'm being treated as well as I should be treated. And I don't, I'm not so sure that the way I'm being treated is normal. Um, that's a great question. And, and again, I'm happy to be on here and share more of my story um, and my team's story. Um, there have been times where I didn't understand why I didn't want to play rugby anymore. Yeah. How close were you 
to quitting? Um, I mean, I mean, as a high performance athlete, you go through ebbs and flows. Like there are tough training blocks. You're like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I'm getting older. I'm two shoulder surgeries in. Um, but I, I felt that going into the games, let's let's say last summer before they were even postponed, I felt like I really wanted to re- get, remove myself from the environment. I felt like I did want to move on. However, once our environment changed and once our once our leadership stepped down, I had a very different perspective and I felt lighter. Um, it was it was very interesting for me to do that reflection, and I felt like I didn't have to I didn't have to move on from sport after that. How um, how worried were you or some of your teammates that if you would speak out individually? that you could probably could probably fall on deaf ears or you might end up being blackballed, thrown off the team because not to say it would have happened here, but it's, it's happened in other sports and it's happened in other times. How much of a concern was that? Um, well, when we started to, to have to open discussions as a team, it, they, it didn't start like this. It, it didn't start with, um, we're going to put forward a complaint. It really didn't. It, it started with casual conversations and then um, there started to, the, we began to notice that there were similarities with what people were, were speaking about. Um, so we did come together as a group and realize that this is what we wanted to do, despite being, I guess, months before the next Olympic Games. Um, and unfortunately, there there have been athletes that have come forward. And, and like you said, like it, it, it unfortunately didn't go in the right direction. Um, however, we, however, un- unfortunately, it does it does take that. Like we're we're building off of things that that aren't new in the sporting world, especially for for um, for athletes like myself. Um, it's a it's a cumulative effect, unfortunately, and and it you know we're we're we're, we're we were the right group to be like, listen, we're gonna go, do, we're gonna do this. We all believe in it. We stand together. Uh, Johnny Bulegger's whiskey, old fashioned, both refreshing and authentic to the classic cocktail available now at SAQs near you. Uh, this conversation is an important one. It's not an easy one. I'm going to have a sip of whiskey if I can. Yeah, no problem. I was uh, going to take a sip of this. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, I feel your pain and it's, and, and it's, uh, and that's how powerful this is because obviously you're in BC right now. I'm in Montreal. We've never met personally. Uh, we had our first conversation, um, I think, yesterday. Um, but I, I feel your pain so much. And it must hurt, once again, playing the sport that you loved and it causing you so much pain. Yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been playing for Canada since 2012. And I mean, it's, I've had a very successful career, a very successful career. I, I was a silver medalist in the 2013 World Cup, an Olympic bronze medalist in the 2016 Olympic Games. Um, and I mean, um, among, among other wonderful statistics that I'm so proud to share. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't really something that, that was at the forefront of my mind because there was success. And, and that was also a lot of, um, kickback that we got as athletes is that why 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 the change if we're doing so well well really internally we weren't doing well 
Yeah. I, I know it's a hypothetical, but had Coach Tate not stepped down, you still think you would have gone to the Olympics? Me personally? Yeah. That's a tough hypothetical question. I do believe we would have lo- we would have lost athletes along the way. I do think the team would be in a different position. I guess had the um, the findings of the investigation come back differently, I think I think I would have made a decision based on what was given. So hard, the hard one to come by. Once you got there, though, you said you felt you felt lighter. Can you? You know, was it was it a, a, a perfect atmosphere or was there still a little something lingering? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so we got um, our interim coaching staff, I guess, in February right away. And and of course, like these things don't change overnight. You don't change a toxic environment overnight. They're still left over. Like I said, I've been in the environment for nine years that those tendencies don't also just don't go away. There is a lot of relearning and growth that we each have to, um, that we, that we each have to do. Um, but it was a wonderful step in the right direction. Um, I hope that my teammates feel safe and included in, in the environment. I hope, I hope they do. Um, I think we've created a one, a wonderful stepping stone for the future generations to come to play the sport and to enter the environment. I mean, playing sport in Canada, I mean, this is another topic, but playing, playing, um, and playing nationally. I mean, there's nowhere else to go. This is the highest level that I can play. There isn't, there isn't a professional sevens league that I can just leave the environment and go. So to us, this was important for the future generations for it at the top being safe and being inclusive. While you were at the Olympics, um, a good result early on, followed by a couple of bad results. And next thing you know, you don't finish in the top eight. And at one point, Jamie Cudmore, Rugby Canada's head of national development, sends out a series of tweets basically celebrating your losses. When you got, when you were made aware of that, whether you saw it right away on Twitter, someone brought it to your attention. How did you react? Um, I'll be completely candid. I, I laughed. I thought that for someone to do that to a group competing at the Olympics in the middle of competition, um, I guess I don't have, I guess I don't have words for it, but I, I think that people need to, to grow and learn. I, I think we're entering this, culture of accountability that you know if if you are going to, going to discriminate against survivors of abuse i think i think there's growth that needs to happen there um we're not going to stand for it and we won't however i think i laughed because we received that hate and i was like listen this group of people are at the olympics we we come out on top here this isn't this this, this is not much of a discussion. It's unfortunate that um, he had to use those words. And, um, and I feel, and I, and I know he apologized and I feel his apology. It's unfortunately something that isn't new. It isn't a new thing that we've been dealing with over the last 10 months. 
I've personally received phone calls. Um, I've uh, I came home and I came home from the Olympic Games to a vandalized vehicle. Wow! It's uh, it's things that you know there there are people that might not believe our story and might not take it for what it is, but there are so many people in this in this country and in this world that have reached out to me and my teammates saying how much they're proud of what we are doing and what we stand for, what we have stood for at the games on such a huge international stage. And, and that's what we do it for. That's who we do it for. This, this isn't about us individually. It's about, like I said, it's about the next generation. Um, you know what I thought when, when I, um, when I read some of the tweets, one of which was, um, Karma's a bitch. Hashtag survivors my ass. Uh, the other one was basically cheering for China, so that um, so that China could win by X amount of points, and that you would not finish in the top eight. Right? Um, yeah. When I read those, like I've I've never in nineteen years of talking sports, I've never seen like a head of a national development or a head of a program actually go on social media and celebrate their own team's um, loss the way Jamie Cudmore did. I've never, ever seen anything like it. And what it says to me is how can people still have doubts about uh, the accusations that were made or, or about the complaints that were filed you cannot have doubts. Someone who celebrates a loss and tweets stuff like that clearly has a hate for a lot of people involved in Canada's Rugby Sevens, right? I also think it doesn't help that the results from the investigation came back inconclusive. It doesn't help our story, and it was extremely difficult to receive that news, especially knowing the stories that that my teammates have been through over the years on under that leadership it's difficult and and awful and it was awful to go through but like i said like we've put in so much work that we're proud of and that we know so many other people are proud of um it is a blow it was a blow to um our program but like i said this is we're we're entering a culture of accountability Mm -hmm. and there is opportunity to grow and learn from this yes there was a lot of hurt to several communities, to the BIPOC communities as well. And, and there's an opportunity here to grow and learn and relearn. So uh, there was some discrimination, needless to say, there was quite a bit of it. Um, in, in what ways was there discrimination? Was it via text? Was it via verbal abuse, harassment? Um, is there anything that you can tell us Uh, as an example of that discrimination that you were talking about? Uh, Well, I mean, they're part of some of the tweets that were tweeted out during the games were, um, were racist. Yeah. Against um, BIPOC communities. Um, And I believe that um, our BIPOC athletes on our, in, in our environment have also experienced different forms of discrimination and, and I will leave it up to them to, tell their story if they so if they so wish um it's i can't imagine the the hurt that these communities have been through um especially from such a prominent figure 
You can listen to the Sick Podcast on iHeartRadio app and follow us on other social media platforms. You can go to sportbuffshop.com for all of your officially licensed sports apparel and more. Use code SICK15 for 15% off on all of their items. So you talked about finding it difficult the last year, especially. You talked about times where you were wondering why the sport that you love was making you so sad and why it was hurting so much. But you did talk a little bit about a sense of relief once you got to the Olympics. What's your frame of mind right now? Even though you said that there is still stuff that lingers, where do you stand? Are you happy to continue playing rugby going forward or are you still in a period of reflection? Yeah, I, I think that, um, I don't even think we're a month out of the games, but um, but yeah, there, I mean, coming back from the games, it's, it's so overwhelming. The Olympic games are such an emotional and overwhelming event. Um, so being there was was so fun and so chaotic and so overwhelming. And of course we're dealing with the pandemic and I think a lot of safety precautions have been in place to, um, to make it such a safe games um, and coming back it, yeah, it was so overwhelming. There's a lot, I have a lot of family here that are so proud and so supportive and, and yeah, there, there has been a big sense of relief because I do think that our, our daily training environment is go- progressing in a wonderful direction. Um and I haven't really made decisions on the rest of my sporting career. I'm still kind of bit in a reflection mode, um, but I'm still training. I'm still, I still want to stay healthy and fit. And um, I'm just going to see what the opportunity, see how it goes. I'm trying to see how it goes. Um, I'm going to school full time in the fall and um, good. yeah, the world is my oyster. Good for you. You're right about that. Bianca, you know, talk to me about some of that fun. All right. Uh, paint a picture. What, the Olympic Games were like. You were there, obviously. Uh, most of us were not. If you can paint a picture of, of of the atmosphere, if you could take a picture of the camaraderie between athletes, um, I mean, what was the thing that left you with the biggest impression? Yeah, so um, I was also at the 2016 Olympic Games as well. So it was nice to have a bit of like a comparison because the 2020 Games are so unusual and will go down in history as the Games during the pandemic. Um, it, in the village, it's it's so nice to be in the village because you're around so many athletes, so many accomplished athletes. Um, this, these games, there wasn't much opportunity to socialize, but um, but it's so nice to kind of like see what other 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 athletes look like and what other yeah. athletes' training regimes are. There is like a little side field in the village that um, athletes go in and train on, or or do whatever, or just do like a little activation. Um, but it's so grandiose. It's so big. Like there's a huge lane kind of cuts right through the village with all the country that the, all the country's flags. Um, you can just tell how big of an event it is just by how like, the, yeah. And you have like the Olympic rings smack dab in the middle at the end of the, at the end of the village. It's just so chaotic. There's so, and it's like a 24 hour kind of situation too. Like, and, and that's because so many, like, I think the marathon runners were running at like 11 PM at night just to wow. beat the heat. Yeah. Um, it was super hot there too, super hot and humid. Um, and it's fun. Like people are taking photos and videos and, and like, especially the, my teammates who are first time Olympians, it's, it's all so new and it's so nice to see it in their eyes, how they, you know, yeah. they're so proud of themselves and I'm so proud of them. And you could just kind of see it, how they're just so pumped. Everything's just so huge. And they're so pumped to be there. Um, it's wonderful to watch. What do you say to young athletes who dream of going to the Olympics? I know Penny Alexiak took a little bit of heat, 
Canada's most decorated Olympian already at age 21 with uh, seven medals under her belt in the last two Olympics uh, because she tweeted out to, to one of my high school teachers who, when I told her I wanted to swim for a living, uh, told me to, uh, to, uh, to, to quit and stay in school. Um, her tweet actually had mixed opinions by a lot of people. Um, but at the same time, what do you say to young athletes who dream of going to the Olympics and wonder, you know, whether or not this dream can come true? You've lived it. You've been there for two Olympics now. What do you say to them? Well, you know, it's interesting because my, my Olympic career didn't start as the Olympics as the goal. Um, for me, I played rugby because it was fun and I enjoyed it and I loved the atmosphere. So, and then, and then the Olympics were, in, were introduced. So it was, it was so nice to have like another stepping stone and another goal to kind of strive for. Like the, it was almost kind of like we're, we kept breaking the glass ceiling. Um, but for athletes who, you know, they're, they're, they're gung-ho and they're saying, let's go, we're going to the Olympics. I, I just say, I think as long as you're having fun and you believe in yourself, then you can do great things and you can smash those glass ceilings. And it doesn't matter what anyone else says because they don't have people like that. Don't necessarily have um, space in your path. Don't let them get in the way. It might be an obstacle. It might be a hurdle, but I think if you have a goal, go for it, work hard and surround yourself with people that, that are going to support you. My God, Bianca, you you ooze character and discipline and determination. It's it's unbelievable, and I guess that's why you participated in two Olympics. And I was having a beverage watching uh, you and your teammates do your thing while it was going on. But uh, you deserve to be celebrated. Sophistication, event rentals, live music, DJs, sound systems, tents, chairs, tables, decor, lighting, photo booth, TV screens. The number to call is five one four five seven zero five seven seven zero. If you're in Montreal. I know your family's in Montreal. Um, when are you coming down to Montreal? And when was the last time you saw your family and friends? Yeah, I'm actually going to Montreal tomorrow. I'm able to be there for about 10 days to visit my family. I'm so excited. Um, the last time I was there was last September. Um, um, and, and that was awesome. And I, I, always, I always enjoy my time coming home. I'm so excited to see them. Um, yeah, I, I guess with the with the lack of spectators at the games, I felt like there was, there was something missing. Um, so I can't wait to see them. How difficult is it um, being an athlete and knowing that you have to practice your profession away from your family and friends? You're in BC, your family's in Montreal. Uh, you've been away from your family for quite some time. How difficult has that been? Yeah, it's certainly, it's been an adjustment. I moved out here when I was 19 years old um, because I got an opportunity. I got the opportunity to come train with the best rugby players in Canada. And I couldn't pass up on that. That was an easy decision for me. Um, I didn't expect to live here full time, but I do now. Um, it's just such a wonderful part of the world. And, and I met my partner here. So we're, we live here full time. But uh, it but it kind of makes going home that much sweeter. It's I, I do love Montreal. I I love the history and the culture. Um, yeah. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, your partner uh, is a rugby player too, right? Yes, yes, he plays rugby, but he's a he's a firefighter now. Uh, firefighter now, but I I guess it's you know when you share similar interests and you you can understand. Uh, what you guys have to put your body through to do uh, the sport that you love type of thing. Yeah. 
I guess everyone understands each other so much better, huh? Absolutely. You're, you're right. He has, he played rugby his whole life and, and he understands, you know, the sac- not the sacrifices, but the choices that I make on the daily to, you know, whether it's to go to bed early or, or to not have junk food, you know, like it's, it's, it was an easy, it, they're easy decisions to make because I have that support from him. It's the sick podcast. You can place your bets on my bookie. Go to my slash the sick podcast. You code sick picks for 50% deposit bonus bet. Win, get paid. You can already put in your futures for the NFL season, which is around the corner. Let's end with that. Talk to me about the sacrifices you made and the sacrifices you continue to make. What is a typical day like in terms of training and living for Bianca Ferrella? Um, That's a great question. Um, So I think it's about three times a week. We have full training days of rugby practice um, till about lunchtime. And then we have weights in the afternoon. And then it's about two times a week where we have, we do have rugby practice. I think could be like one or two a days, but it's focused on conditioning, but that's kind of the fun part. It's fun to like, to be working on your fitness, but you're also playing the sport you love. I'm not a huge fan of just running just to run. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's an adjustment to not have my teammates. Mind around you, I got to tell you, and- Bianca, you run really fast. You run really fast. I, 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 just, fast I don't know much chased. about the sport, but it just seems that your teammates want to get you the ball. And once they do, you're off to the races. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks to them. I have the space and I can do my job. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, I miss my team. I, I miss my teammates so much. It's, it's difficult to train on your own. So I'm, I'm just such a team sport athlete and I'm kind of excited to, to see what's in store next for me. Once again, like I said, uh, you deserve to be celebrated, not only you, but your teammates, uh, after hearing everything you've gone through and the way your group was able to stick together, it's the epitome of team and you leave Tokyo without a medal. But for me, you're all gold medalists. Thanks so much, Tony. That means a lot. All right. I look forward to meeting you in Montreal. Yeah, likewise. Can't All wait right. to see you. Thank you, Bianca. There you have it. Bianca Farrell. It's a sick podcast. I'm Marinero. Thanks for joining us again, Bianca. Take care. All the best. No problem. See ya. All right. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Essentia, the world's only natural memory foam mattress. Beyond Organic Sleep, Cherry River Hard Seltzer, only 90 calories, natural flavors, and no preservatives. Now available in Quebec Grocer and The Beer Store. And Johnny Bootlegger's Whiskey Old Fashioned is both refreshing and authentic to the classic cocktail. Available now at Saks near you.